All right, you ready? I think I'm ready. Let's do it. What's up, guys and gals? Welcome to episode 45 of the What Makes Us Human podcast. That's a lot of episodes for us. I mean, that's weird. 45. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, right here, John Lindeman, and over there, who just said, yeah, is J.R. Parks. J.R., how's it going, man? It's going well. It's It's been a busy weekend. It was my uh, nephew's birthday this weekend. Oh, yeah. Got to celebrate yeah. that. And we uh, he got a scope for his twenty two, so we did some shooting yesterday, so a little target practice. It was it was it was a good weekend. Nice. You can shoot without having to drop two dollars every shot. Yeah. How about you? Good. Busy. Uh but yeah, it was good. Uh rainy. Yeah, definitely. It's been very wet here in North Carolina, but the skies cleared as I was driving over here. So and you know when it's too wet. You kind of want to say, oh, bother. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's been a good, uh, that's a little hint as to what we're talking about today, folks. But it's been a good weekend. Um, so I do a little eBay on the side. It's picking up some. And uh, I went out with my brother-in-law Monday on President's Day to Charlotte thrifting. And he liked to kill me. We went to a ton of stores and it was awesome. But I should have ate a bigger breakfast. Do you guys get President's Day off, or is that just the way you found your rotation? every other Monday. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, we don't get President's Day off. And he, uh, he he's in banking, so he got it off because uh, it's President's Day. Um, and then we went back out again Saturday. We went near Asheville. We kind of went to the foot of the mountain at Old Fort to a flea market and some other places. So it's been a crazy weekend. It's been a lot going on. Very nice. But yeah, it was good. So... Uh, I made my debut on the Kerr Family Flip Show YouTube channel, K-E-R-R Family Flip Show. And it was, I look like an idiot, but it turned out all right. So uh, it was good. So Excellent. So today, or tonight, in podcast land, it's after 7 p.m. right now. It is. Yeah. But today we're talking about Winnie the Pooh. Classic children's story. Yes. Um. Did you grow up? So you you just recently grew up. So I just recently grew up. Yeah, you're pretty young. So uh, <laughs> I don't feel very young, but all right. But you're a lot younger than me. So you did you grow up with any Winnie the Pooh memorabilia? I did not have any Winnie the Pooh stuffed animals or anything like that. Flush. I was aware of Winnie the Pooh. Mostly through Disney. It's like he's hiding in the behind the closet, peeking in on you. I was aware that he was there, but mostly through my younger sister. She was much more about Winnie the Pooh than than I was. Okay. Have you ever noticed that Winnie the Pooh? Now Donald Duck gets the he gets the colloquialism, but Winnie the Pooh dresses like Donald Duck. But if you ever are getting ready in your bedroom and all you got on is a t shirt, you know you're Donald Duck in it. You're not Winnie the Pooh in it. Yeah. I've never thought about that. you never heard of Donald Duck in it? Uh, I have not. Really? But walking around in just a t-shirt is not something that I do. <laughs> that's not something you're going to show up at church like. That's good. But uh, but yeah, Winnie the Pooh, he just wears the t-shirt, and he's cool. He's calm. Mostly collected. He's not really all that collected, and we'll get into that. Um, but he's got that voice that I cannot imitate. I did some impressions last time. Um, but he does say, oh, bother. He does. Yeah. So what was your, when you were a kid, what were you, now this, now folks get ready, this might be nerdy. What were you reading when you were a kid? 
Brace yourselves, folks. What what age are we talking? Well, you know, like six. Five or six years old. Because, you know, it's kind of Winnie the Pooh time when you're... Yeah. Pooh time. I have a hard time remembering specifics okay. other than when I was learning to read, I had a whole collection of what was called the I Can Read books. Yeah. Um, that uh, were, you know, geared for, for that age. By the time, like... Third grade rolled around. It was Narnia and stuff. Yeah. Well before that. Yeah. I read Hank. I read Hank the Cowdog books. I remember that one. Never heard of this. Uh, I actually got my nephew. One of the things we got him for his birthday was the first three books in that series. Hank the Cowdog. The Cowdog. What's a cowdog? It's a dog who works cattle. Oh, okay. So is he Australian Shepherd? Uh I don't remember if he's a if it specific. I don't remember if it specifies that he is an Australian Shepherd. I would say he's probably some kind of Shepherd or Shepherd mix. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So, you know, originally we were going to do, uh, tonight we were going to do Winnie the Pooh and The Wind and the Willows, but it's going to prove to be too much for one bite. That's going to be too big of a Philly cheesesteak or just one plate. Yep. So, uh, so somewhere, to, so to, to, Better answer your question. Somewhere between the I Can Read books and, and getting into stuff like Narnia, it was mostly Hank the Cowdog. Hank the Cowdog. But I read a lot. You know, yeah. When we would do reading competitions in school, I was competitive anyway, and I loved to read anyway. Yeah. I was the kid who actually asked the librarian, hey, how many books can I actually check out at one time? Right. Yeah. And I the answer you. is 50. I told the audience it was going to get nerdy, and it just did. Yeah. Now, I remember what about the- you? Remember when the book fair showed up? I was always pretty excited. You know? We didn't have that much at my school. Once in a while, but yeah. And I, I found as I was older. Now this is not Winnie the Pooh time, but uh, as I got older, I found those books where it's choose your own adventure, and it's like if you're gonna open the door and go in, turn to page sixty. Oh yeah. And I was not good. That I sucked at that. I read a bunch of those that were like GI Joe themed. Oh, awesome! See, I would have bought those. Yes, yes. Um, but at a very early age, I was, uh, you know, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But, you know, I, I guess Winnie the Pooh is for a really young audience. It is. Yeah. I think Winnie the Pooh more is a book maybe even your parents might read to, to you, you before oh. before your reading. Okay. Oh, and the Wishbone books. Oh, Wishbone. Wishbone versions of classic books were you know, the one that I was reading, you know, as, as, a, as a small child. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. If you don't know who Wishbone is, I feel sorry for you. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Let's not wait till the end of the show. Let's go ahead and say, if you'd like to tell us, we'd like to hear. So email us and tell us your uh, favorite kid's book as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. You can email us, wmuhpodcast at gmail.com. That's right, baby. So, you know, I love this stuff. I like the kid's stuff. Uh, As I get older... Um, well, a couple of years ago, it's probably been eight or nine years ago now, I announced to the family, as I am wont to do once in a while, I make a big scene in the living room, and they say I'm the biggest kid in the whole house. <laughs> um, uh, but I announced to the family that, hey, I'm going to make Christmas easy on you. Just, just pick a random toy. I'd like a random toy for Christmas. Okay. You know, um, And I started getting getting a random toy at Christmas, and so it was pretty cool. But one Christmas... My wife, God bless her, man, she is the, and I'm not saying this because she might listen, I got to say, my wife 
is super duper wife. So that one Christmas, um, she handed me my box. My it's like a little box, like a shoe box in gift wrap, and she said, "You're gonna need a tissue. Here's a tissue." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and uh, I opened this box, and in it was, I think I've told this on the podcast. In it was a little stuffed animal of Casey Jones, the railroad dog engineer. Okay. From Tweetsie Railroad. Yeah. And I didn't know it was from Tweetsie until a little later you informed me. He's like, oh, that's from, yeah, we got those at Tweetsie, dude. And I was like, oh. But when we were dating, I told her that, you know, yeah, you ask each other, what's your favorite color? How do you vote? You know, <laughs> important things, you know. And those are actually two, they vary in importance greatly. <laughs> but um, anyway, one of the questions was, hey, is there something you could have from your childhood back? What would it be? And, and man, instantly I knew what it was. It was I said, I lost my Casey Jones uh, little plush dog somewhere along the way, my little stuffed animal. And I described him. And I said, I would, I told her, I said, I would, if I found that for $1,000, I would have to fight hard to not pay it. But okay. I, said, I didn't know about eBay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't thinking. Um, and she found him on eBay and got him, and he was in, and man, I, I ugly cried. I mean, it just meant a lot to me, you know what I mean? And I, I was so excited. He sits on my dresser to this day. He does. He sits right there at the lamp on my dresser. So anyway, stuff from when you're a kid, man, it means a lot to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now we're talking about Winnie the Pooh. Here we go. The guy that wrote Winnie the Pooh was named A.A. That's two ways. A.A. Milne. I guess I'm saying that right. M-I-L-N-E? Yeah, I think so. Um, and his name was Alan Alexander Milne. I don't know why. Maybe he went by Alan, but for on a book cover, it looks pretty good, I guess. So maybe one day I'll be J.C. Lindemann. I don't know. There's a, there's a history of, of authors using their initials for, for various reasons. Oh, man. Tolkien. Yes. John Ronald Rule. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Clive Staples. His friends called him Jack. Yeah. So A.A. Uh, a. Milne was born on January 18th, 1882. So this is a while ago. Um, born January 18th, 1882. And he died on January 31st, 1956. He lived his entire life in England. Okay. Yeah. Across the pond. In school, he went to a private school and he had a teacher. Did you run across this? I did not. Okay, he had a teacher uh, named H.G. Wells. Oh. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Our esteemed producer, Hannah, just sat up like a Labrador that heard a dog whistle. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? H.G. Wells was, was one of his teachers. The H.G. Wells. Yeah. I, I made sure. Yeah, I can't, I went down the rabbit hole for a second because I was like, i got to find more of the worlds in here somewhere. And it was the, yeah. Now, they didn't call him... The he was just like Facebook. He was just HG. He wasn't the HG until much later. AA uh, a. Mill majored in mathematics. I was not expecting to see that. Okay. Graduated in 1903 and moved to London as a freelance writer for a magazine with a really good band name, Punch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Punch makes me think of Sherbet and Sprite. You know what I mean? This was a time where people would have been. Their education might have been broader. Yeah. So just because he focused on mathematics, he still would have had a strong literature background, Western literature background, uh, a strong background in things like Latin, 
you know, he, he would have gotten a very broad education that, that actually probably stuck. would have allowed him to, to shift a little bit. Yeah. So you could look at him and say, hey, dude, Semper Ubi Sub Ubi, and he would laugh because he knows that means always wear underwear. Um, so he worked for Punch. He married in 1913. That guy kind of did it all. Like you said, math, literature. Now, normally aren't those two separate goalposts, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, yeah a lot of folks a lot of folks usually end up either liking English and history and not caring for math and science, or vice versa. Vice versa, yeah. Uh, he gets married in 1913. Then he enlists in the Army in 1915 to go fight in the Great War. Yep. Yep. Now, this, this kind of plays a role in things. He was a pacifist, but he still enlisted. I guess he felt like he had to do it. Uh, he served briefly in France as a signal something. It just left me. So if he was part of the signal corps, then he was essentially responsible for communications. That was, oh, you okay. know, if you think prior to our modern era of communications, that that was the way units would have communicated with each other over longer distances. I couldn't think of it, but I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. He served briefly in France, but he got really sick, and I couldn't figure out what he got sick of or (laughs) or sick with. I'm sick of a lot of crap, but it don't mean I can just go home. So I think he got sick with something rather than sick of something. Yeah. Um, And he had to go back home. Once he got home, once he got home, he becomes a playwright. So, man, this dude just continues to run the gamut. Of all sorts of things, like a jack of all trades. He, he becomes a playwright. He writes, Mr. Pym Passes By in 1921. And then the children's play Michael and Mary in 1930. He writes a novel called The Red House Mystery in 1922. And he writes a full-on play called Make Believe. And that was back in 1918. So he's pretty... Prolific. Sure. Word, right? Prolific. However, he does some writing for his son, just on a personal level. Now, this reminds me of Tolkien, or Tolkien, as some people call him, um, who wrote some for Christopher. Oh, my gosh, and the boys have the same flipping name. They do. That's so cool. Um, But but J.R.R. Tolkien wrote um, the basics of The Hobbit for Christopher Tolkien, and then, you know, was encouraged to publish... And the same thing kind of happens here um, for his son, who was actually named Christopher Robin. Yep. I didn't know that till I got looking into this. Yep. Christopher Robin. How did you pronounce the last name? Mil- Milne? Milne. Milne? Yep. Christopher Robin Milne. Yep. Christopher Robin Milne, I guess. Um, and those writings that he did for his son were turned into... Two things, 1924's When We Were Very Young and 1927's Now We Are Six. And these are obviously, uh, I guess, kind of by the titles. You can't judge a book by its cover, but here you kind of can. Ernest Shepard was the illustrator for those, and he stayed with it. Ernest Shepard pretty much illustrated who throughout. Yeah, so these two works were children's verse books. So these were poems. Yep. In a collection, there were there was a poem in When We Were Very Young, a single poem about Winnie the Pooh. And then in the later Now We Are Six, there were you know quite a few more poems featuring this character he'd created, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie. 
Now check this out. In 29, now that's not a great year for Americans. I don't know how the English handled it. But in 1929, when the market crashed, he adapted Kenneth Graham's Wind in the Willows for stage as Toad of Toad Hall. Oh, oh, okay. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. That we were talking about this in the parking lot last week, and I just randomly chose these two titles, Wind in the Willows and Wind in the Pooh, and we joked about what the heck could we title this, you know, the Pooh and the Willows or the Wind and the Winnies. And uh, it turns out they actually have a connection here through A.A. Milne. I just thought that was crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Wind in the Willows is older... It was, uh, I think, 1905 is when that came out. Yeah. And I actually have a hardback version of that that my grandfather owned. Now, he was born in 06, so it's an old book. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's get into this bear. Okay. Winnie is based on a Canadian black... This blew my mind. Based on a Canadian black bear that lived at the London Zoo. Yes. He swam the Atlantic. No, he didn't swim the Atlantic. <laughs> um, the cub was brought was bought off of a hunter for somewhere around twenty dollars by a man named Harry Colburn in White River, Ontario, while he was on his way to England to fight in World War One. Yep. Sentence of the week. That right there. All right. So hold up. You're leaving your family and friends and your homeland to go fight in the Great War. And on the way... You buy a bear cub. You buy a bear cub. This dude's either stupid or a Billy Bad Butt. One or the other, you know what I mean? (laughs) All right. He named it Winnie after his hometown. Can you guess it? Winnipeg. Manitoba. Yep. Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, And so we have the name. Uh, He left the bear because he had to go fight, right? So I don't know if he... Did he not think this you through? I don't think he really thought this through. I don't think he thought it through. It was, oh, hey, I can get a bear cub. Oh, now I have to go to the war. What do I do with the bear cub? I mean, yeah. What yeah. the heck? So uh, he left the bear. He leaves the bear at the London Zoo while he fights, and there the bear is such a wonderful attraction for the children and their families that the bear stays at the London Zoo. Yep. So he comes back from the war. He sees it's really popular, and he just donates it to the zoo. Like Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some years, I guess a little after that, um, young Christopher Robin is at the zoo with his father, A.A. Milne, and he gets this attachment to the bear. Now, what was the... Well, see, you're younger than me, so you're not going to know. There was a bear at Grandfather Mountain when I was a kid. There was a family of bears. I just realized this, and I thought that was the coolest thing. And we would go to Grandfather Mountain and see what's her face, the bear. And I cannot think of her name now to save my life. But it's the same kind of thing. Everybody wanted. She made the news every year. They talk about how she's getting a little older and yeah. she was still getting around. Yeah, I can remember as a kid. You know, they they had other bears, possibly offspring. Yeah. But they still talked about that original mother bear. Yeah. Mildred. Mildred the bear. Yep. Her name was Mildred the bear. And it made the news one time that somebody threw a cigarette over for her to grab. And she actually got it and it burned her a little bit. And I remember being so 
frustrated at my house in Greensboro as a little kid that somebody would do that. You know, I, mean? yeah. I kind of grew up a little bit that night. But you kind of have that same situation where uh, you have this bear that everybody loves and adores. And so obviously Christopher Robin, that's so neat that this guy's name is, is that name. Um, Christopher Robin falls in love with this bear. Well, he goes back home and he's got these stuffed animals. Yep. He's got a little pig and he's got a, a bear and he's got a, um, a little Eeyore kind of thing. What is Eeyore? Donkey? Donkey. Yeah, okay. Um, and he had uh, kangaroos and a tiger. And a little tiger. Yep. Yeah. And these become the basis for uh, Winnie the Pooh. Now, the Pooh part, so obviously Winnie comes from the bear, you know, named after Winnipeg, Manitoba. But the Pooh part, <laughs> I was really interested in where that came from. So there's a quote by A.A. A. Milne. I've got it on my phone. I'm not going to try to dig it out. But basically, he says that. He wrote in one of his little things for his son that something happened and the bears, I guess it was the real stuffed bear, his arms got stiff and um, a fly landed on his nose one day and Christopher said he couldn't wave it away. So maybe he didn't write this. Maybe this has happened. But he, Sure, I have this quote if you would like it. I'm bumbling through this and you have the quote. <laughs> Let's hear it. So this was, in the, this was in the first chapter of the book, Winnie the Pooh, which was the first like... Excellent. Stories, not the poem, but the first stories, published in 1926. In the first chapter, he offers this explanation. Quote, But his arms were so stiff, they stayed up straight in the air for more than a week. And whenever a fly came and settled on his nose, he had to blow it off. And I think, but I am not sure, that that is why he is always called Pooh. So he was like, Pooh. And so they called it Pooh, yeah. yeah. You just bailed me out in a major way. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. And so now there's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Yep. I lands on his nose and in they're saying Winnie the Pooh. And he goes, Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. It's in the song. Nice. It is in the song. This is magical. Yeah. Well, and, and presumably, well, we won't get into that. Go ahead. All right. Now, the 100-acre wood is the Middle Earth of Winnie the Pooh. Yes. You know, it's the map, right. Um, and the, that might have been one of my first make-believe maps that I ever saw. I thought that was really neat. You know? Okay, sure. Um, I can picture it in, like, the inside cover of a Winnie the Pooh book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the 100-acre wood is actually, and when I say based on, I mean it really is based on... A place called Ashdown Forest in East Sussex, England. Ashdown Forest in East Sussex, England. It's 30 minutes southeast of London. And eventually Mill bought a, Milne bought a home uh, there near Cotchford Farm. And they would vacation uh, for a week or two during the year and for two whole months in the summertime. So for eight straight weeks yep. in the summertime. And little Christopher Robbins running around the Ashdown Forest. Um, and just enjoying the heck out of himself. So there's a clump of pine trees near something called Gill's Lap, and I couldn't find what Gill's Lap is, but there's a clump of pine trees there, um, and that that little forest on top of that hill became known as the Enchanted Place in the books. Yep. Christopher Robin's Enchanted Place. Yep. And I, I think it was called Enchanted because every time they counted the pine trees, they came up with a different number. Yeah. Like 63, 64, 65. And Christopher Robin thought, well, it must be magic. Right. And many of Shepard's, the, the illustrator, Mr. Shepard, 
Many of his pictures, his illustrations, are of actual spots that he went and picked out um, at Ashdown. Yep. That's really neat. If you're Christopher Robin, that's got to be so weird. Your childhood, your boyhood imagination playground is now like a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, this is... This is like if the woods behind my grandparents' old house okay. were suddenly turned into a magical place in a book. You know, that's a place that I used to run around as a kid and have all kinds of adventures. And it's like if someone took that and made a children's story out of the adventures and, and published it for the world. That would be good, right? Or would you feel a little robbed of a private experience? Yeah, I don't know. Be a little bit of both, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would want what's brought me joy to bring others joy, but part of the magic is that it's in between your ears. Yeah, and so it's a little different in the sense that whatever Christopher Robin was experiencing in that area is different than the stories his dad made up about that area. Oh, that's true. Down. Okay. So it's not like... That's true. Yeah, so it, it wouldn't be me, you know, writing based on what I was imagining in that space and the adventures I was having there, it would be someone else, you know, my dad or, or even just a stranger, essentially inventing things based around the area and the characters. Well, that's a good point. Okay. So it is really just, this is a father sitting down at bedtime with his kid and making up a story for his kid using, you know, his kid stuffed animals and yeah. the, the area that they know for inspiration, and then writing it down and it turning into this huge thing. When I was a little boy, my dad would read from The Hobbit. Before I could read, he would. He, I'd sit in his lap and he would read from The Hobbit and he would do the voices and he would do Gollum and it would freak me out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's like magic right there, buddy. Good memories. The teddy bear that we're all familiar with, Winnie the Pooh, debuts on February 13th, 1924's edition of Punch Magazine in a poem. This is the, the character. Yeah, the yep. character that we're all familiar with. Winnie the Pooh first appears by name on December 24th, 1925 in a Christmas story in the London paper. Okay, so his image first appears that we would recognize in the Punch Magazine poem. Yes. Yeah. And then, and I think he, what was his name was different in that one. Well, the poem was just called Teddy Bear. Okay. All right. So it wasn't a named character. Just Teddy Bear. It was, just, it was the poem was called Teddy Bear. It was about a teddy bear, and E. E. H. Shepherd drew the bear as an illustration for that poem. Right. And then later he would draw as Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. So the thing on December 24th, 1925, is in a Christmas story in the London paper Evening News. And there, it's illustrated by a guy named J.H. Dowd. Yes. The Winnie the Pooh book is published on October 26th. And it actually, in the, I guess... 1926, like a, right? What I say? You said October 26th. You just didn't give a year. Yeah, October 1926. Okay. And it explains on the inside cover, I guess in like a preface or something, all about the boy and the bear at the zoo and tells everybody how they came to uh, name Winnie the Pooh, how he got his name. Yep. 
Now, Pooh is slow-witted. I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah, but he's friendly, and he's helpful, and his help usually comes in the form of common sense fixes. Uh, and one thing, Eeyore is stuck in the middle of a river, and Pooh comes up with the idea to throw a big rock in, and the splash will force Eeyore over to the other side. You know, uh, Pooh is a poet. I'm not sure if he knows it, but he is a poet at times. Um, he gives very creative gifts. There's a famous thing where he's taking a birthday gift to Eeyore, and it's a honey pot full of honey, but by the time he gets to Eeyore's residence, he's eaten all the honey. So he quickly decides to tell Eeyore, here's a nice little pot you can do many things with. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think Eeyore is like, okay, you're a doofus. You know. When he visits... He has this little deal where he wants to ask for a snack, but he doesn't want to be too rude in doing it, in yep. doing so, yeah. Um, so he's usually kind of wandering around, maybe hinting towards it or, or not really paying attention to his host until right. the host finally asks, you know, would you like a snack? Pooh, would you like some potato chips? Why, yes, I would. Yeah. Um, he also likes to snack at 11 in the morning. And conveniently enough, the clock... At Pooh's house, stopped at 5 till 11, some weeks ago, he always says. So at 5 till 11, the clock stopped working. So in other words, it's always right at snack time at Pooh's house. And that's very convenient for Winnie the Pooh. So he visits his friends for snacks to tell his poetry or sing an encouraging song. He's nice to Eeyore, and Eeyore very rarely reciprocates. Eeyore is very down. Yeah. So what do you think Eeyore's in this? Do you think that's the way Christopher Robin played with Eeyore when he was really young? He just, he kind of, or do you think the dad did that? That's interesting. Because that's more realistic that you have this person in your life that's um, negative, you know? Sure. I think about a documentary we watched a while back on Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers. Okay. And in it, you know, there's a lot of interviews with him where he's talking about the characters. I, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I scared the death of King Friday the 13th. So, you know, Mr. Rogers talked about how these different characters were all kind of different parts of his personality, but also designed to get across to kids the different kinds of people that they may see, but also just the different ways that they may feel at different points in their life. Okay. So I almost think about that when I think of Eeyore. He's a personification of sadness. And it may or may not be that Christopher Robin as a child subconsciously put that on Eeyore as a way to address that. Or maybe his dad did that to maybe to try to help his son with maybe how you deal with that kind of thing. Yeah. But I, I don't know. That, that is a completely a guess on my part. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good, though. On January 6th, 1930, a guy named Stephen Schlesinger, or Schlesinger uh, purchased the merchandising and other... There's a lot of participles that were in that, but it's basically the mer merchandising rights from A.A. Milne for a $1,000 advance. And by November... And 66% of the income. That's right, and 60% of the income. And by November of the next year, of 1931, Pooh 
was a fifty million dollar a year industry kind of. Yep. And he's now been marketed. Well, Schlesinger has marketed him for over thirty years. So uh, I think in the I've got it later here, but in the sixties, uh, in fifty three he died, and his wife took it over. Yeah. Now, big big moment here. Nineteen thirty two. Pooh appears in his red shirt for the first time. Yes. Yes. So then he's fully recognizable by guys like me. What happened there was it was the first rendition of, of the Winnie the Pooh world in color. And so they uh, they gave him this little slightly orange color and put him in a red shirt that was way too small for his big old belly. Um, and he surprisingly does not look like a drunk redneck dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, 1932. I, that's early. I thought it would be like the late 50s or something. Well, and I think the timing here has a lot at play both in that aspect of it, but also in Winnie the Pooh becoming a thing, becoming the phenomenon that it became. Because it was in the 1920s that you first started to get Huller children's storybooks gain popularity. Okay. So much so that they could be their own category. Right, yeah. And it's because of, you know, improvements in printing. They could print these things very cheaply now, and every child could have a storybook. So that happened just before, really, as Winnie the Pooh, the character, is being created. And the timing is just perfect for all of this to take off. Kaboom. Yeah, the industry is taking off, and he's created this new character so that's Pooh got loved by children. running right out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Good idea and good timing. Sweet. Well, in 1953, Schlesinger passes away, and his wife, Shirley Schlesinger Laswell, I guess she remarried at Laswell, um, she licenses the rights, if that's the right word, licensed the rights to Disney in exchange for royalty. 1961, yep. And then things really take off. So I've got a few things here. Disney has released... Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree. And I think it's H-U-N-N-Y, the Honey Tree. Okay. Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day. That was in 68. Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. That's like the most famous line. That's 1974. And then they combined, the year Star Wars came out, 1977, they combined all three of those. The Honey Tree, the Blustery Day, and Tigger 2 into one movie in 77. And then there's uh, Winnie the Pooh and a Day for Eeyore in 83. And then what I was looking at jumped all the way to the 2000s. You have the Tigger movie in 2000. Piglet's Big Move in 03. Pooh's Huffalump movie (laughs) in 05. And then just Winnie the Pooh in 2011. Yeah, and that's... Because when I was a kid in the 90s, you were still seeing the movies made in the 70s. Right, yeah. So that's the movies that that I associate with Winnie the Pooh. Right. So there really was that long period. um, Whether it was seeing the combination, which was the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which was those three featurettes combined. Or 
um, or you know, seeing them separately. That's there really was that long span of time, like with a lot of Disney properties. You know, they've done that. Yeah. Where now they're going back and taking movies that they, you know, animated movies they made in the fifties and sixties and making live action versions of them, or 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 what have you. In 1997, there was Pooh's Grand Adventure, The Search for Christopher Robin. And Hannah was showing us that. So there was something at 97. Is that a that, kind of a live-action sort of play? Okay. Some of the later ones have been, though, like live-action CGI combinations. Yeah, that was something later. Yeah. 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 Christopher okay. Robin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was also a animated cartoon... I think on Toon Disney or something. There have been four different television series based on the franchise. Uh, Welcome to Pooh Corner on Disney Channel from 1983 to 1986. The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh on ABC from 88 to 91. The Book of Pooh, Playhouse Disney, 2001-2003. And My Friends, Tigger and Pooh, Playhouse Disney, 2007-2010. to Man, Pooh's raking it in, buddy. I bet he has a big mansion with a lot of honey. All of that happens after Disney acquires. All the animation is Disney. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of these are made after 61, which is when Disney acquired it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually, in in merchandising this, Disney has done both. There is the Winnie the Pooh that we are all familiar with from Disney animated shorts. And they sell stuffed animal versions of him. They also sell some that are based on the original drawings by the original oh, illustrator yeah. that are slightly different. Like classic. Yeah. Yeah, the classic looking poo. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. There's a picture you showed me that's kind of, it's in the classic vein, but all the all the characters are dressed up like Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Characters. <laughs> oh, that was Hannah. Yeah. Yeah. So Christopher Robin looks like Han Solo. and Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool, man. Um, so that's not a Disney property. That's some some random artist on the internet. All right. So the legacy on our culture has been really uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Like so, there's a guy named Benjamin Hoff that wrote the Tao of Pooh. T A O the Tao of Pooh and the Day of Piglet. T E the Day of Piglet. Um, John T Williams wrote Pooh and the Philosophers, and it explains like Descartes, Kant, Plato. Uh, using Winnie the Pooh and his characters. <laughs> That's funny. Right? That reminds uh, me of uh, existential comics. Yes, yes. Uh, Kenny Loggins wrote the song House at Pooh Corner, and the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band recorded that as well. Okay. I was shocked to see that. <laughs> um, Oxford University uh, created the Winnie the Pooh Society in 1982. The undergraduates created the Winnie the Pooh Society. I'm not 100% sure what goes on there. Anyway, um, the sport of poo sticks uh, is still alive in reality. People actually go to the bridge at Ashdown and play poo sticks. Yes, and they had to replace that bridge not yeah. very long ago, but they tried to, the architect tried to recreate it to match the drawing, the yes. illustrations. Yeah, which is so cool. And poo sticks was a game that Christopher Robin, the son of the author, actually played and it made sand bridge so yes that's so cool you know um and in 2017 because of memes where people noticed that xi jinping slightly resembled the pooh bear 
This is my favorite thing about the internet ever. Uh, Winnie the Pooh has been censored in China. Where he's called Little Bear Winnie. Little Bear Winnie does not have the same ring as Winnie the Pooh. Maybe it does in Chinese, though. Maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. But, it, yeah, it's uh, the memes of Winnie the Pooh as Xi Jinping are some of the funniest things. Ever. Yep. Yeah. Something so, like making fun of a dictator with a children's character. Yes, that's right. So, uh, that's what I got on Winnie the Pooh. I think the only thing I left out was that um, the owl and the rabbit were added later for the book. Yeah. Everybody else was a re- was OG. Yeah, everybody else were, were, were stuffed animals that Christopher Robin had. Those were not. Including but... Kanga and Rue? Yes. Right? Okay, all right, yeah. So I can't believe we just did 45 minutes, basically, on Winnie the Pooh. Hey, man, Pooh Bear rocks, Jack. Oh, and I'm still not done. So uh, I wanted to read a couple of these because they're very, very simple, and yet they have a lot of... Some people will roll their eyes, but that's okay. They have a lot of meaning to them. Um, so these are some quotes by Little Bear Winnie. Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So I guess you can't read these quotes in China, or you'll be banned. All right. If you live to be 100, I hope I live to be 100 minus one day, so that I never have to live a day without you. That's thick, but it's, let's really slap it on the sap. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, people say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. <laughs> That's great. Sounds like a Patrick Star line, too. Yes. Those who are clever, who have a brain, never understand anything. <laughs> all right, this is all right. This is the one I was talking about. Though this one's really good. How lucky am I to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard? No. Ever lost a dog? That means a lot. You know what I mean? How lucky am I to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. That is really good. And then the other one that has some real... I'll just read it. I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. So that's really teaching a a young child that letting go is hard. And that you're not going to make a move until it's so unco- it's, it's more uncomfortable to stay than it is to leave. You know, when I read that, I always get to where I'm going by walking away from where I have been. I actually thought about Castaway when he finally gets over the breakers and he's on that raft and he's leaving the island and he starts crying because that island that was such a prison he now kind of wants to go back to. It was home. It was home, yeah. yeah. So, man, Winnie the Pooh is deep, yo. Yeah, in a lot of ways, those... Those quotes and the lessons they're teaching, and I, I keep going back to this, and it's just because it just keeps coming up, is it, it shows Winnie the Pooh stories as Mr. Rogers before there was Mr. Rogers. Yeah. It's a lot of the same but, lessons geared specifically at children at yes. that level. And see, Mr. Rogers helped us walk to places. He helped the children walk to places society was afraid to go yeah so a good instance of that was when uh america was struggling with uh integration yeah and and how how did they integrate and um mr rogers invite was it the is the postman the, the post office yeah the postman um not kevin costner but a real postman um uh if invite, invites him over and they have a kiddie pool and they take their shoes and this is so brilliant and yet so simple they just simply take their shoes and socks off 
and put their feet in the water together and have a chat. Yep. That's so simple, and yet it is so groundbreaking. Yep. And he's he's slowly, without throwing elbows and bloody and noses, and shouting and screaming, he just leads us to to fresh new places. But in order to do that, you got to leave something behind. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, man, it's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we have more than forty five minutes on poo. Well, <laughs> by the time by the time we edit it, it'll probably be about forty five minutes. Talk. So yeah, that's uh, that's Winnie the Pooh, man. Yep. All right. Well, we got a little email from a listener this week. A listener I know. A listener named Larry, who I, I guess works with you. Is yeah, that shout that? out to Larry. What's up? Cool. He calls me cool, so I'm going to call him cool. All right. He says his wife grew up in Philadelphia. Yeah. And uh, they went back, and he tried cheese steaks two different ways. The first one had cheese whiz on it. The second one was white cheese. And he says that the mom and pop restaurants have the best cheesesteaks. I could see that, Larry. He also did the whole Rocky thing, running up the stairs. He did? Uh, well, he says he walked up. Walked the museum stairs and took a picture of the Rocky stack. Awesome. I know he threw those hands up, though. I know Larry did. Larry, I know you threw this, uh, this up. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks yep. for emailing us, buddy. That's yep. so cool. Thanks for reaching out. And, uh, yeah, folks, we always love to hear from our listeners. You can email us, wmuhpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at wmuhpodcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Like, share, and rate. Absolutely. Yeah, give us a give us that five-star rating or whatever rating you'd like. But, but we'd love the five-star rating. So like, share, rate, tell a friend. There you go. Tell your mama. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, John, you got anything else? That's it, man. All right, folks, we will see you next week. Peace out.